Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, boys, summer is here, and we have a fantastic show for you today. Now, we always say that, and uh, we're happy to say that the Bite Me podcast has been doing fantastically well. I am John Lopez. That is Captain Scott Null, but it's even more so this week. It is a Texas saltwater fishing podcast uh, with Captain Scott and myself. Uh, we call it the best in Texas inshore and offshore insight, and you guys have been uh, really nice to us and 13,000, 14,000 subscribers already. If you do subscribe, you can uh, get a notice as soon as the podcast posts. So if you're a subscriber, you got that notice. If you're not, you had to search us or find us on Facebook. The next best thing to being on the water is the Bite Me podcast. You can subscribe today and be a better fisherman tomorrow. That's what we say, but uh, hopefully uh, it, we back it up with content. And content we have this week. What are we going to talk about? Well, uh, certainly there are some very timely newsy things that uh, we need to get to with, uh, I'm going to say, our panel of experts, because along with Captain Scott Knoll, uh, we have with us uh, Captain Caleb McCumber, and we're going to get to him in just a second and talk about a lot of these uh, things that I think are going to be very relevant for you. Also blessed to have uh, Captain Roy Crush. Are you a captain? Yes, sir. You're not a captain. I said that. I misspoke. But Roy Crush from Texas Boys outdoors and we'll get some more information on that but he's a big time fisherman like me uh even though we don't have the official title because the united states coast guard is not something that we've done lately uh all right so we're going to talk about the kill switch law coming into effect we're going to talk about uh the five fish limit coming into effect and it's license time we're gonna start there then we're going to get into this heat it's been incredibly hot uh over the last week i think i saw in my truck yesterday 105 degrees outside that's just temperature uh, man, it was just killing us. Uh, so we'll get into that. What does it mean in terms of retrieving your bait? Uh, a lot of people think you got to slow it down. Do you? We're going to get to the experts and talk about that. 
I'm not a big spinning reel guy. I have spinning reels. I use them very occasionally. Uh, but when is a spinning reel uh, better than a bait caster? I think Captain Scott has some good opinion on that because he does use them uh, a little more than I do. And we'll talk to Caleb and Roy about that. Uh, then we have this. Uh, this was a question that we got from a listener. And by the way, if you want to contact us uh, with a question or a comment or a topic suggestion, you can reach me at Lopez on Sports on Twitter, Lopez on Sports on Instagram, obviously John Lopez on Facebook, Captain Scott Null, Captain Scott Null on Facebook, uh, and certainly uh, at uh, Instagram as well. All right. When do you know when to drift and just do that? When do you know when to just totally stop with your talent or your power pull? When do you know to use the trolling motor? What is the difference? We'll get into that. And we got a lot more uh, coming up, but let's uh, not bury the lead here. Let's get these guys going. Uh, Captain Kayla McCumber, um, I want to give you uh, the first shot because Captain Scott usually takes the last shot because you're not here. Uh, but this is like, I feel like, uh, like this is the thriller in Manila. You know, we've talked to you separate of Captain Scott. We've talked to Captain Scott giving you a hard time separate of you, but now you're in the same room and I'm not going to have to like separate you guys or anything. <laughs> well, it will, you don't really know that yet. <laughs> well, time will tell. We still got time. Absolutely. <laughs> we will have to separate. There, there are several people that were excited about this, but I told them you can't force it. It has to be organic. It but, does have but, to be but organic. But when it gets going, it can get good. Uh, it does have to be organic. Uh, frenemies, the word, uh, the term frenemies was uh, made for Captain Scott and Caleb McCumber, if you haven't picked up on it and on previous uh, podcasts. Uh, all right, Scott, let's let's get right to it. A lot of guys really uh, need to know some some news here. Uh, kill switch law is coming into effect. What's today? It's uh, August 14th, going to be Wednesday, Thursday. Uh, it's time. The, the kill switch law is going to be coming into effect September 1st. Also coming into effect uh, is the five fish limit throughout the Texas coast. And if you're like most people, you buy your uh, fishing license in August. It's a big month for a lot of listeners, uh, isn't it? I think the uh, new license comes out uh, Thursday. And on the 15th. On the 15th, you're I right. I think it comes, uh, you can start buying it on the 15th. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can buy them online from what I'm gathering this year if you're getting a regular fishing license. Oh, I always buy mine uh, online. Well, Caleb and I can't. We have oh. to go to the office and oh, okay. show them our Coast Guard thing and prove that we're really captains. Right, so it's a different so license. we have to walk in Yeah. At, you know, for the guide license. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the kill switch. I've been trying to – Caleb, let me ask you this because I've been – I generally, if I'm by myself, always wear the kill switch line. Uh, I don't. I'm just going to be completely honest. I don't if I'm with other people or if it's real calm. I kind of get thick-headed. But I've been trying, no matter what, to just do it and get in the habit. I mean, you better get in the habit because the Texas Parks and Wildlife game wardens have binoculars. (laughs) I was the world's worst about not wearing one. Mm -hmm. Um, And in honor of the latest movie out, Lion King, you know, I'm a Hakuna Matata sort of uh, personality. Yeah. And it's always been my thought that if I fall off, the worst thing that happens is my boat drives off and I stand up in the two feet of water that I fish in. Mm -hmm. But now that Cade is getting old enough that he's with me all the time, if something did happen where I fell out of that boat, uh, is he going to be able to get to the controls or am I uh, putting him in a bad situation also? So I think it's a great thing. Just get in the habit. uh, One of the worst things about it is usually when you do fall out, you're grabbing the steering wheel. Mm Mm-hmm. And so now you've turned the steering wheel, yep. and now the boat's making circles. Uh, that and it's yup, coming right back where you just fell out of the boat. That yup you heard is Roy Crush from Texas Boys Outdoors, and we're going to get to that in a second. They've got some really good things going on. Even if you don't grab the steering wheel, I've seen, Roy, um, boats tend to just go in a circle. Oh, yeah. You know, when, when there's yeah. no driver, whether there's oh, yeah. a driver or not, 
they just go in a circle, and who's going to be in the Nothing water? Nothing good's going to come out of that situation. I mean, it's always, you know, accident, disaster waiting to happen. Waiting to happen. Wear your kill switch. Uh, I've, I've been getting in the habit. want to encourage everybody uh, to get into the habit as well. Um, so, so there's that. And then the five fish limit, Scott. Um, I saw somebody's, more than one, but I saw one this week uh, having a, I think they're calling it a bloodbath. Uh, yeah, tournament. There's a couple of different like tournaments I've seen where there people are wanting to go out and do this one last big hurrah. First of all, I don't like uh, that name. All yeah. due respect, but I well, don't know if I like that name. I can't really say anything because when limits first came in, when we came to twenty limit, the twenty mm-hmm. fish limit, mm-hmm. my last day, August thirty first of that year, I strung fifty two trout. <laughs> oh, wow. I will. T- I mean, I'll be straight up honest with you. I have changed a lot. Oh since yeah, then. we all. I mean, have. I was. I was a. 19 20 year old kid at the time yeah you were still mad at and him. uh yeah i was still really <laughs> mad at him mm-hmm. but the difference was there wasn't anybody on the water mm-hmm. I mean, there was nobody out there i was wading a shoreline in christmas bay when i did that and there was one other person within sight of me right uh you couldn't do that today no not on that bay no. not on that bay for sure which is a good a good reasoning why you keep seeing the limits go down mm-hmm. you know, scott says he went and caught 50 now if I want to go catch 20 before it goes to five, or it's a lot harder for me to do that than it was for him to catch 50. Uh, no, no question. Um, I was just really good. <laughs> Come on now. He can still catch 50 is what he's saying. If you notice, he said, he's, he said that in the past tense. And, yeah. <laughs> I was really good. He said he has changed a lot, didn't he? Yeah, he has. Uh, I don't fish for trout anymore. Uh, stinky things. This is the stinky. Come on. <laughs> uh, come on That's now. Uh, all right, Roy, but you and I are not professional captains. Uh, and I think you fall into the same category as me. Uh, I still am mad at it. I, I get as excited catching a trout today, an, a 16-inch trout, as I ever did when I was a kid. And that, that's why I'm a sicko. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, I don't care about a five-trout limit. I mean, some guys are throwing up their hands. I keep fish when I want to keep fish, when mama's hungry, et cetera. What, where do you fall on that line in the five trout? Where do you, first of all, are you in a, in, do you mostly fish in a 10 trout limit area now? Or are you, have you already been yes, five? Mostly the upper Galveston, upper coast. So we, we are in the, the 10 trout, but I'm all for the five fish limit. I think that we have so many people now with social media. You got so many guys that can kind of, even if they're not great fishermen, they can figure out how to catch them, you know, even more than just five or six years ago with social media. And so I, I truly think that it's going to be a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm all for it. And I agree with you. I'll go out sometimes. We'll have two or three guys and we'll keep our full limit. And we're going to have a fish fry or something, but we right. go out sometimes and I'll catch and release and just have a good time. So yeah. You know, but I think that, you know, making it a five fish all up and down is a smart move. You look like you wanted to weigh in on that, Captain Scott, about as far as uh, the five fish limit versus 10 and where we are. Yeah, I've, I've been on board with that since the beginning of it. Mm-hmm. I wanted it when the Middle Coast went to yeah. five fish, when right. Caleb's area went to five fish. Uh, the difference down there is incredible. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really made a huge difference in just a few years that's been going on. Uh, I think if we would have done that for the upper coast at the same time, instead mm-hmm. of, you know, it got fought. Yeah, you know, there was quite a few people fighting against it. Right. If they hadn't fought that, I think the upper coast would be in so much better shape right now. And Caleb, I I, I am a li- I'm living proof of of firsthand knowledge of the difference of what of what that limit can do. Uh, you you know I've fished when I was younger, when I was real young with my dad. It was all about Port Aransas and Aransas Pass. Beautiful water, beautiful fish, all the fish you want. I I, I graduated college, moved toward toward Houston, fished. 10, 12 years in East Matagorda and Matagorda Bay. And then I decided, you know, hey, I hear there's some good fish in Sabine. So I moved my little travel trailer that I keep to Sabine. I fished there for like six years and just destroyed them, you know, for the first couple of years. Big trout. And I'm a trout fisherman more than, than anything else. And the last couple of years, I mean, I can see the difference. Smaller trout, 
harder to catch. Obviously, the freshwater runoff had something to do with it. So I moved back to East Matagorda, and I'm like, holy smoke, it's almost like a different uh, species. I mean, oh, yeah. the, the, you are seeing the difference in the lower coast and, and the middle coast or wherever your limits are. When I first came to Matagorda 2003, 2004, we could get out and wade one cove and come out of it with 10 trout and a couple of redfish. It On a slow day, it took us two coves to get it done. Mm-hmm. And I just saw it slowly falling and falling and falling. We lost a lot of grass, you know, multiple reasons that, right. that maybe it got tougher. But when we went to five fish, I was, I was excited about it then. Um, even when it was 10 fish, I was mostly a catch and release guy. Mm-hmm. But the past couple of years, it has really shown itself to be a, uh, a good thing. So I think that the upper coast would be in good shape. With what it. about from your, your perspective? Again, not the professional. You, you mentioned that you, you endorse it, but have you seen, okay, because I know you fish all over mm-hmm. with the Texas Boys Outdoor. Have, when you go to the lower coast or Matagorda like I've gone to, do you see the difference? I have, and, and I agree 100% with what Caleb said, that even East Maddie, which is one of the bays down there, I fish a little bit, and uh, Port O'Connor, Mansfield some, it's, it's made a big difference. I mean, it it's in like a struggle just a few years ago to go down there and catch a few. And it's just in the, the three or four years since they've done it, it's, mm-hmm. uh, I think it's made a, just a, a big difference. So just remain calm, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we, we got guys naming tournament bloodbath. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, enjoy your tournament, enjoy the limit, but remain calm. And you're actually, how many people do you know, Scott, um, that were like so against this, including guides? A lot. And now? And they're all for it now. Yeah. A, a lot of those people who fought it the hardest, Mm-hmm. Uh, are now all on board saying, man, we should have done this sooner. We mm-hmm. should have done this sooner. Well, yeah, you yeah. fought it the last time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a good thing. I mean, and honestly, go catch five fish, fillet them out. you got plenty of fish to eat right, right there. Right. I mean, you More don't than you think. Yeah, you, know, sure. you don't need all that you know, filling up the, the freezer and having, you know, all these quart bags of fish when you open up the freezer – uh, that used to be kind of a, a badge of honor mm-hmm. among fishermen. You know, you could Laying walk them in out there. on the fish and oh, cleaning table. Well, yeah, and- but I mean, I can <laughs> I can remember, you know, in my younger days, opening up my freezer and showing a buddy, hey, I got two shelves worth. Yeah. You know? For well, what? For what? <laughs> for why? Because I was fishing the next day. Yeah. I mean, and honestly, the fresh ones are so much better than the frozen ones anyway. I've been guilty of the big fat stringer slung over your shoulder, looking over your shoulder to the camera, <laughs> you know, because that's like the, the go-to picture. Right. Yeah. Uh, and now, uh, you know, we were talking about, uh, what is it, the the empty stringer tournaments that yeah. they have? Yep. Uh, Ernest Cisneros is yeah. doing the empty stringer. Yeah, Those are fat. That's a, yeah. Explain it real quick for those who weren't listening to a previous podcast. Yeah, Ernest is a great guy down in South Texas, and uh, he, he runs around South Bay. He's really, really good on um, if you want to go catch a snook in Texas, mm-hmm. and he's he's damn good at it. Um, but his one of his little uh, things that he's picked up on here lately is this empty stringers. If you agree that you won't string fish with him, at the end of the day, everybody throws an empty stringer on the front of the boat, and they stand there and take their picture. <laughs> and just like you would, you know, when all these guys line all these fish up on the bow, and uh, he gives a discount. Yeah, for uh, doing an empty. Now stringer. you caught all your fish, and you can take all your pictures, but right. Before you release, oh it. yeah, he's got great pictures of him holding the fish when it's fresh mm-hmm. coming out of the water, still dripping. Yeah, uh, and then at the end of the year, he does a drawing among all of his empty stringer people, mm-hmm. and I forgot what the prize is. I don't, I don't remember if it was a free trip or yeah, something, something along those lines. But he has some sponsors for it, and uh, he's 
He's doing That's really a great well with idea. It. It's a cool yeah. deal. It's a great. I know some other idea. guys that are doing some uh, some things like that. Where you know, if you promise you you know you want to just catch and release, uh, they'll give you a discount. Right. Uh, that's happening in a few other places too. All right, let's get into some teaching moments, and then we're going to get with Roy on uh, on uh, the Texas Boys Outdoor. Uh, I say teaching. I, I want to make clear what we do here. I was talking to Caleb on the phone uh, Sunday about this. We just uh, we just tell people what we've done for our entire lives to try to catch fish, more so Scott uh, than me, but, uh, but certainly we just tell them what we think, and if you want to use it, you use it. And one of the common questions, Caleb, I'll start with you, is I've gotten this from family members, you know, oh, it's hot, it's summertime, slow it down, man, just go you know, really slow, just drag it across there as slow as you can. Maybe sometimes, but but what is your what is your general thought when the heat is on and a slower retrieve, yes or no? I think that whenever I'm using a real slow retrieve, it has more to do with I'm trying to stay in the bottom of the water column. I feel like those fish are, are sitting down there trying to, be a little bit uh, in some cooler water, and and so not only am I moving it slow and keeping it low, but I'm I'm also giving them more of a chance to look at it. But it's it's not the same thought as the cold water. The fish are lethargic and slow mm-hmm. by any means. Right. What about you, Scott? Depends on where you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you've got some good current flow, like I was fishing the jetties this week, eighty uh, something degree. I think it was eighty seven point six degrees oh, was water temperature. Wow. But the fish were up on top. They were. They were chasing stuff. I mean, it was bull reds, and they were chasing these crabs and uh, busted mullet. So you could slow it down if you wanted to, but mm-hmm. you didn't have to. Right. Uh, you could you could have just let it float with the current, and they were just hammering these crabs. Um, but if you were going into a back lake, now it's, you know, the water temperature's 90-something degrees back mm-hmm. there in some of these little lakes. Uh, there's no oxygen and they are going to slow down. They are going to get lethargic just as they would if, you know, if it was uh, super cold. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just don't have the oxygen available to fight. I've, I, I have slowed it down more so for what Caleb is talking about. Uh, just I want to feel the bottom more than, than, than anything. I don't, I, I don't subscribe so much to the thought, especially in the winter. And I know some people would just fight me on it. Maybe you would, Caleb. Uh, but even in the wintertime, I'm not that big of a, like, keep it real slow i want the action yeah. i want the movement i don't think you <clears throat> at any time of year you can't reel fast enough to take a bait away from a fish that wants it good point if they're if they're good. feeding they can catch it mm-hmm. uh the times that caleb's talking about are the times you gotta coax them into eating it mm-hmm. you gotta Just dance keep it, in it in front, front of, of their nose yeah, yeah. It, i mean that that whole thing of okay i got a, a steak down at the end of the street i'll run down there for the steak but i'm not gonna run down there for a couple potato chips <laughs> but if you unwrap a candy bar and float it in front of me yeah I, even if i'm full i might eat it <laughs> that's exactly right yeah, if, if they're eating at all in the winter time i i work a quirky pretty darn fast yeah um but it's like when scott was saying when when the water I, i've had times when the water's in the high 30s and i know that they're they're hurting and they're slow and that's when i'll i'll do that but I mean, that's three or four days. Of, I was just going to say, year. Scott and I have had this conversation and Roy, I want to get your thoughts on this, but how many days really is the water temperature so low in our base system? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm literally asking a question five that you have to slow it down that much at the most. Yeah. I can't think of five in the last couple of years. Yeah. I and mean, it's been pretty warm. So it's a it's a little bit of a misconception, you know, slow it down in the winter in our base system is what I'm saying. Well, in those couple of days after the snow, it was it was real bad. And okay, then, but yeah, that, that's one of the January. <laughs> I think January 2018, it dropped mm-hmm. to in the 20s for four or five days. 
But, you know, a, a tip here, I see people say, oh, it, it, it's cold. We got to go out and catch the big girls. And that's not necessarily it. It's the warming trend afterwards when they're coming up to get in the sun. That That's mm-hmm. the key days for that. Or on the shallows going up into the to, to the sand or the mud. Right, right. That's that's exactly what I'm. Yeah, the first place that it warms up, and that's where the bait are going to move to. All right, let's talk yeah. about summer. We're going we're gonna to have this discussion when it gets colder. Yeah, right it's, now, it's, we're, we're it's 105 about, degrees we're outside. We're talking about the, the heat is on. <laughs> we'll get back to this in, in February, but uh, the heat is on. So are we in agreement here, or is it a case-by-case study uh, you know, situation when it's so, so hot? You don't necessarily slow anything down, do you, Scott? It's all situational. Yeah. 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 I will slow it down. I mean, I had had one in Galveston. I've got a little lake back there and it was full of big oversized reds Mm -hmm. and you couldn't get them to eat because it was so hot and they were walking, just cruising around with their backs out and we were throwing gulp and leave just dead stick in a gulp Mm -hmm. and moving it into their path. And every once in a while, one of them would eat. Right, it was yeah, that water, right water temperature had to be ninety two, ninety three degrees in there. Yeah. Uh, so in a situation like that, yes, it's got to slow down because they're not, they're just not going to move and eat. Yeah. Uh, last July, when it was so hot, Rathcamp and I uh, drew a check in the Rudy's Championship, and it was one hundred percent. Throw it out there. Do not move it. No kidding. If you moved it, it wasn't happening. But if you left it still. It, it, like it, literally not move it. Don't move it. Right. If you moved it, you were going to be sitting there another 15 minutes, man. <laughs> and there was, there was 50, 60, 70 fish in front of us. Mm-hmm. And if it was trying to get away from them, it wasn't happening. They're lazy. Well, they're, they're something. <laughs> they're moody. <laughs> what I call them Saturday was not lazy, was not but lazy. it was something. All right, Roy, you're a great fisherman. I know that. Uh, your, your thoughts on what we're talking about. Then let's get into to what you're doing and what you're doing here. Um, with me, like he said, it's situational. It's based on what the bait's doing. If I'm in an area where the bait's active a little bit and I can tell that, you know, you got some active fish, then I'm mm-hmm. gonna I'm not afraid to, to work it fast and this and that. But if it's you know, I don't see a lot of you know, the mullets getting blown up on, there's no shrimp getting chased, just it's real quiet looking, you're in a little bit deeper water and I'll slow it down, whether it's June or or January, I'll I'll slow it down a little bit and kinda mm-hmm. work the lure a little bit slower. But so with me, I think my the way I my original approach is gonna be just based on what the bait's doing and what what the you know, if there's any kind of active water going on. Right. All right, so Texas Boys Outdoors, you're chief executive officer and president of this organization. Uh, give us a sweeping look of how it started and what you're doing. Um, the original, I guess our original thing was a few close friends of my family. Uh, we started just for fun, actually just, you know, going to film some video or video some uh, hunting and fishing trips and have a good time with it. And then slowly we started having people reach out to us, uh, you know, asking, we could, you know, they'd have a, a friend that's a veteran going through a hard time or mm-hmm. we had a, a contact from Shriners Children's Hospital in Galveston about, you know, they had some patients wanting to go out. And so we kind of slowly became a, a nonprofit organization about three years ago. And now pretty much we have, uh, uh, most of our trips are based on out with first responders, military veterans, and we, you know, kids of all different backgrounds mm-hmm. from, you know, dealing with cancer. We've taken out kids that are from broken home, just, you know, lots of different situations on that. And uh, we have an outdoor show that we just finished our fifth season on Pursuit Channel mm-hmm. um, that just ended about a month ago every Sunday morning. So we're right. kind of reamping up and going to look at some different options for the fall as far as we're looking at more of a, doing our own social media as far as uh, some mm-hmm. videos on YouTube and uh, kind of see what, what the future has. But we're going to stick to the mission statement and you know we really enjoy our trip with the kids, veterans, and, and it's a really cool deal. It's really interesting to me because I've done a lot of things, as I'm sure Caleb and Scott have too, with various organizations separately, like uh, Patriots and Heroes Outdoors I did a lot, which is more of the returning veterans that have been wounded uh, in, in combat. And then maybe a, uh, a Cure Fest, which is uh, for, for brain cancer research. And then maybe uh, Children's, Texas Children's Hospital. 
but you really you're like all of them basically can fall under so that you're just basically like people who are in interested and need the help and need the getaway it doesn't really matter i mean you just talked about it like all the programs that, that that are involved here so really anybody who wants to contact you and say hey this organization or these kids or this family how do they do that We've been blessed. Um, you know, you can reach us through our Facebook page. Uh, you know, our, our website is texasboysoutdoors.org. We've got a lot of just, we have a thing we've set up on there where you can, you know, reach out to us and send a message. And uh, we've just been blessed, too, to, to work with some great organizations such as Shriners, uh, Texas Children's, like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, we work with numerous veteran organizations. We've got friends from everything from SWAT team guys we work with to, you know, in different counties across Texas. So it's just been a, right. we've been blessed to, honestly, we haven't really had to go looking for things. We've had a lot of people approach us. And so we just kind of picked the things where the right fit, where we felt like we could do the most, you know, the most good and kind of got after it. And it's just been a really cool deal. And another big thing I have to say is I'm, I'm blessed, truly blessed to have just a great group of guys on my team. Our mm-hmm. board members are military veterans. We've got police officers, just top-notch guys. And you know, it's uh, it's a, truly a team thing as far as you know all the stuff we're able to do. Um, and how, um, like, like, give me an example of, of what you do. Is it is it all just bay fishing, saltwater? I mean, deep uh, deeper fishing, offshore fishing, or what are you doing? Man, we if it's Texas outdoors, we kind of do it all. We have <laughs> uh, just an awesome relationship with several ranches from high fence places, from South Texas low fences. You know, getting veterans out there going after a buck, or mm-hmm. we um. I, I, Blessed to work with guys like Caleb and a few other top-notch guys where we take out kids. And a lot of times we'll, if, especially if I haven't fished in a few days or a couple mm-hmm. weeks, we'll try to get one. Eric Renteria is a good friend of mine. Mm-hmm. Some of the best captains on the coast are guys that will reach out, help out quite a bit. And, you know, we get um, take some of those kids out and just get them out there and have a good time. We do bay fishing, offshore fishing. Uh, he's, he's one of the big-time guys, too. Mm-hmm. We do uh, deer hunting, hunting and fishing pretty much all across Texas, fresh and saltwater. I didn't know. I thought you had a question for him, Scott. No. No, right. I was just, just uh, listening. Uh, I wanted to ask you, though, okay, so people uh, involved can go to the website, texasboysoutdoors.org. What are some of the events you have if, like, let's say, you know what, I don't necessarily have someone in mind that could benefit from from this relationship, but I want to donate, I want to participate, I want to sponsor you know what? What are some of the things that you that you can they can do? Oh, yeah, we're always you know always appreciative of stuff like that. On the website, there's a, a link you can get on there, and it, uh, it tells you how you can donate. You know, it gives you an option of how much or what you want to do. We also you can reach us on our Facebook page. We have an Instagram page, and it's all under Texas Boys Outdoors. You know, anything like that's always helpful, and you know, always goes to a great cause, and you know, it's always appreciated for sure. Uh, what events do you have coming up? Like, like let's say I know you have uh, different things coming up. In October, you said you had something? We do. We have a um, at Wood Forest uh, Golf Club over there in the Woodlands-Conroe area. We have a golf uh, fundraiser on October 14th. Uh, mm-hmm. It's going to be a cool deal. We'll have some stuff actually in the next few days posted on the Facebook page. You can check that out. We do a fun deal, a team event. We're going to have all kinds of cool prizes, a couple of celebrities hanging out. So it'll be just a, a fun time to get out and have a good time and raise some money for a, a good cause. Uh, and it's a small world. I mean, uh, basically, <laughs> I met you through my son because you have a friend uh, that, that, that works with my son. Mm-hmm. And you knew Caleb already. Caleb, how did that relationship happen? I, I believe Roy and I met at the fishing show several oh, yeah? years ago, but I, I'm a sucker for a good organization and a genuine soul. So yeah. as soon as Roy and I started talking, I, I knew that we would keep in touch, and it, it's, it's been a good deal. How many events have you put on, roughly? Um, like you, I was talking to you last week. You were, you were on a trip we, offshore. For about four five years now, and especially the last two years, uh, as we've had more money involved and mm-hmm. we've been able, able to afford to do more, we've we honestly do almost once a week. We're either doing a bay fishing trip with some veterans or kids, or we'll, you know, we take kids up to Lake Conroe, do stuff. We travel, mm-hmm. and, you know, we'll do trips down south. But probably one once every week to two weeks, we're we're doing some kind of activity with the one of our or as far as it relates to our mission statement. It's bizarre because I've done this for probably a dozen years. You know, taking the the, the wounded veterans 
out fishing, I always go into it thinking, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this. It's gonna make me feel good. Uh, it's gonna be I'm gonna do something nice for them. I want to take their family because we take we invite their families too, not just the, the veteran. Try, yeah. yeah, take their f- families fishing too. And without fail, I feel like they did something for me. Okay. You know, I always feel like I'm doing something for them, and without fail, I feel like they did something for me when I'm done. Okay. It's just an incredible experience. Anybody? So I'm guessing like you got captains and, and people who want to maybe help and say, I want to do that. Take them out. There's a way that that can happen as well. Oh yeah, and we already have a, a great team we work with. But you're always, you know, there's no such thing as too much help or too many good people involved. So, you know, whether it's the Facebook page or just I'm, I'm Roy at TexasBoysOutdoors.org, my email. Mm-hmm. You know, you can reach out to us on there on the website too. There's a link where you can just say I want to I want to help out, or you can recommend if you have someone that you'd want to recommend a, a veteran in your life that's going through a tough time, or mm-hmm. there is a thing on the website you can do stuff like that too. So, you know, there's there's no such thing as having too many good people involved. I think when you're trying to you're, you're reach your goals. Well, I know an old retired HPD officer that uh, maybe wants to, you know, he's he sometimes his back's hurt. And maybe you can take him. <laughs> he, he's, he's, a, he's a stud over there. So he might be taking, he might be taking me out before I'm taking him out. But. <laughs> I gave that trip to, uh, for your charity. Oh deal. yeah. We had, a, and, we had uh, one of those. That, Remember the the one fellow? He said, "Why don't you just take a couple of veterans out?" That's right. I forgot that we instead had instead of mm-hmm. instead of taking me out, he said he paid for the trip. He did it. And, you know, Donated he, he bid on it, yeah. and he said, "Tell you what, I get to fish a lot. Why don't you just find you a couple of veterans and just take them in my place and mm-hmm. just yeah, that's real cool. just do it?" And um, it, with the weather, it's been not great to get it on the beachfront, right? And uh, so I haven't gotten the guys out there yet, but uh, might get with you about that. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, we could do that. Maybe pick find a couple of find yeah. a couple of veterans. TV show, yeah. yeah, we can do that. All right, let's get back uh, to uh, uh, some fish. That's a great thing. One more time, your email, Roy at texasboysoutdoors.org. and it's Texasboys uh, on Facebook Outdoors yes, org as well. And you had a Facebook page, yes, sir. Pictures and stories, oh, yeah. and that's and a good, our Facebook's probably our biggest. I think we have about seventy five thousand followers. It's our, probably our biggest social media presence. So that's a good way to okay. every day. There's you can keep up with us. So that's a good one. Okay, real good. All right, boys. Uh, let, let's get back to uh, some of the 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 the, tech, the topics that we've received, um, and you, via Facebook, John Lopez and, and Captain Scott Knoll. Uh, certainly um, uh, via Twitter and uh, Instagram as well. But this is an interesting one, and I'm, I'm really glad I got uh, Caleb here to get a, a third uh, thought on this. When do you, Scott, you first. All right. So when do you really know that you need to be drifting? When do you really know you should go ahead and put the power pole down or the talon uh, or whatever your, your automatic uh, anchor is? And when do you know about the trolling motor? And I found it interesting because – a, a lot of people think trolling motor birds, you know, automatically, you know, or trolling, trolling motor shoreline automatically. But that's not always the case for me. Sometimes, Scott, I use the trolling motor just to angle even when I'm in a, in a spot that may be off the shore a little bit. Sometimes I like to do what I call hopscotch, hopscotch fishing. Uh, like if I'm in a really good spot, in fact, I did it with that spot you and I were talking about yesterday, uh, yesterday, Sunday. I know I'm not going to mention it, but I did it there. Uh, I call it hopscotch fishing, uh, where I don't want to wade cause I'm still, you know, I was by myself and I don't want to wait, but I stick the, the talon down and I just all over the boat, just cast, you know, a hundred times. So I'm not drifting through anything. I'm not trolling and disturbing anything because the water was calm. So I, I call it hopscotch. I stick it there. Cast, 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 see if I get a, a nice big fish, pick up the talon, move 10 feet, stick it back down. I've done that a bunch with some success, and I call it hopscotching. Uh, it's not unique to me, but it's something that a lot of people don't do. And then there's drifting. But let's, let me just get your thoughts first on drifting versus uh, automatic uh, anchor versus trolling motor. Depth of water, 
how much the wind's blowing, what the fish are doing, are they scattered out, are they bunched up on a reef? Mm-hmm. Uh, all that plays into it. Uh, I use the uh, trolling motor a lot, mm-hmm. you know, uh, chasing the tarpon and running up and down the jetties and all that. And spot lock has been a godsend. Yeah, I mean, it, <laughs> spot lock's just amazing to Amen. me. I mean, when you when you hit spot lock and it just stops the boat right there and it holds it in position in the current at the jetties and it speeds up and slows down and I can look over you the rocks. You don't have to think twice about it. Don't even have to think about it. Don't have to worry about how far out you are from the rocks. Like when we used to anchor out there, I was a nervous wreck all the time. I'd leave my engine running a lot. I did. Uh, I'd be anchored up and that boat would be swinging and I'm looking at those rocks and I'm paying more attention to that than I am the fishing. Mm-hmm. So that's really come in handy for me. In the bays, I'll spot lock on uh, a reef. You know, if a deeper water reef, mm-hmm. uh, but you also, you know, if they're scattered on the reefs and you're, you're popping one fish here, one fish there, and you've got a lot of reefs, uh, like some of the areas out in the middle of the bay in, uh, East Matagorda, just, I'd, let, I'd rather drift, mm-hmm. uh, if I've got enough wind, if I've got the right wind, let's say that. Right. Uh, with a whole lot of wind, you either got to put out your drift socks to slow it down enough, or if it's not any wind, you then that's the time to get on the trolling motor. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as my my power pole that's pretty much a wading thing for me you just put uh, it down to get out of the i boat. put it down to get out of the boat and go wading uh on my polling skiff i used to use it quite a bit i don't have one on the current polling skiff mm-hmm. but uh there was a certain time of year when the trout big trout got up on the grass mm-hmm. in six or eight inches of water and they're really really hard to see and so i would drift like you were talking about drift 10 15 20 feet put the power pole down yeah and just sit there for 30 minutes yeah. i wasn't casting like you were talking about fan casting mm-hmm. i just sit there and stare at the grass and just wait for something to move and those big you know 28 30 32 inch trout were laying in that grass right and uh, if you're drifting you can't pick up on them right and if you're polling you really can't pick up on them so i would and i would always be doing it by myself mm-hmm. and i would stop the boat and just stand up on a platform and just stare yeah and every once in a while all of a sudden then one would just kind of appear mm-hmm. you know in that grass as you're staring at it so uh that hunting yeah, yeah it's exactly a whole lot right. more like hunting yeah uh, but yeah i don't use the power pole a whole lot for fishing because if if you were a croaker soaker mm-hmm. i know those guys use the hell out of the power pole and that's a lot of the boats that you see with two power poles on the back. That's what they that's are. That's what they're doing yeah. is they double power pole down so they can keep the front of the boat or the side of the boat lined up with where they want to throw. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're not moving. <laughs> <laughs> what are your thoughts on that, Caleb? Well, I'm, I'm going to visit what Scott said about he didn't use his power pole much. The power pole in his last boat sounded like a cow in distress when you put it down. <laughs> It was only caught, about eight years old. <laughs> we caught so many bull reds that day. I, I feel like the cow was bringing them in. <laughs> uh, drifting to me is numbers. You're, you're searching for fish. Yeah, you're 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 drifting out across an area, picking up one here, one there. Um, what I use my power poles for is kind of like what Scott said. When you feel like you really need to work an area, mm-hmm. but I'll, I'll take the um, you know this weekend we fished the Hookspit Kids Tournament, and I had two little kids in my boat. And so what I would actually do is drift 20 or 30 feet. And then whenever I saw something that looked decent, mm-hmm. we had power pulled down. And what I use the two power poles for is I hate hole slap. Uh, I fish so much oh, shallow water yeah. that I hate hole slap. And it makes a difference. And I'll position that boat where mm-hmm. the hole slaps in a minimum and mm-hmm. then use those two power poles to keep it at that angle. Um, but And then the trolling motor for, for a drifting aspect, 
whenever I'm, you know, I, I see a, a color streak a little bit to the right or left, I'll use that trolling motor to move me around. To stay on it. Right. But a, a majority of my fishing these days is in the marshes. So we'll use the trolling motor to move around where we want to be. Mm-hmm. And then when we catch one fish or maybe see a, you know, a, a handful of mud bulls or something, then we'll stop and power pull down there. So it, to me, the trolling motor and the power pole just complement the drifting, and and it just depends. Well, on I'll, I'll do both, and uh, both. And Roy, I don't know how you feel about this. I want to get your thoughts. Uh, but a lot of times, I'll use the trolling motor to stay quiet on the shoreline and close to the shoreline. Then power pole down, turn that off, do my deal. Then do the same kind of repeat, you know, rinse and repeat. That way, you stay in the same depth if you find fish, and you can just you know do it that way. But everybody has their own thoughts. What are yours with with those three? You know, the, a couple of things, they, the points they made were hitting the nail on the head. If I'm searching for fish, you know, I'll drift or, or troll around. But if I'm, um, with me, unless I'm fishing a tournament where you just can't get out of the boat, I'm a wade fishing fool. And so I'm always, I'm going to wade 90% of the time if I can wade. And if I can't, or we got guests, or we're just out there to have a good time, then mm-hmm. I'll, you know, just troll around, drift, whatever we got to do to find the fish. And then once you find them, locate them, or you, especially if you got them piled up somewhere, then, you know, pull down, get on it and try to hit it. But I think, um... Yeah, they they pretty much something. I mean, I agree with everything they said as far as it's a with me the troll motor is locating fish. What about um with birds? We you know we've talked birds you know several episodes ago and we haven't really followed up on it, Scott. But up since Caleb's here, I want to get his thoughts as well. I mean that's that's what the, to me that's what the trolling motor's main for me. Uh, not you offshore you know offshore when you're searching tarpon, but for me that's the main time I use my trolling motor. It's awesome for that. Yeah. I mean it. it it's so much quieter, mm-hmm. so much easier to get in on them and slip in and get in casting distance. And if you've got people on the boat who aren't really good at casting, it's easy to work your way where you've got wind at your back so mm-hmm. that they can cast all the way to them and you don't have to get as close to them. Uh, yeah, that running in on the big motor, you know, we've talked about that before. Only if you're really desperate. <laughs> Only if you're <laughs> extremely desperate. Uh, but the trolling motors have changed that. Mm-hmm. Uh, used to, I mean, back in the day, uh, we didn't have trolling motors. Mm-hmm. We either drifted or we ran up on the big motor, and that was our I that was our two ways of doing it. Trying to time, and, oh, yeah. and get the angle in the wind, and like I think this will get us there. Yeah, the birds <laughs> birds were moving in an odd <laughs> direction. They don't ever do what you're thinking they're going to do either. Yeah, yeah, every time I'd, I'd miss them like by fifty feet. Like, mm-hmm. dang it, man! I mean, <laughs> thank God for trolling motor. But same thing. What a, you brought up a really good point, Caleb. I and I do that, and I hadn't thought of it. Like trying to, I love. People who listen to this podcast know I love fishing dirty streaks. I'm, uh, you know, change of color, dirty streaks, or whatever. Trolling motor is perfect for that, just because they're they're never straight. It's not like a checkerboard, you know what I mean. So that's where that comes in handy. Right. Uh, just any kind of any kind of small um, movement you need to make. The the water that Roy fishes over in, in Galveston, they mm-hmm. have those mid bay reefs where any day in the summer there can be a hundred boats on it. Right. Um, I tried to drift across with any without a trolling motor, and I almost ended up in Billy Pennock's lap. Because, <laughs> yeah. because, I mean, the the winds kind of swirl a little bit, so it, it to me, there's no reason to not have a trolling motor on a boat. Um, what about you? Because uh, I know you've probably fished the jetties there uh, occasionally. Um, a lot of people like to stay still on the jetties and spot lock, but I've I like to use you know, the trolling motor occasionally, just go up and down the jetties because the fish tend to quote run more on yep. the beachfront than than in the bay right i agree i'm not a huge jetty fisherman but when i do especially if it's a weekday and it's not real crowded i'd i'd rather troll you know anytime i get a chance to troll just go up and down just same thing looking for fish trying to you know and i agree those fish at the jetties are just moving up and down the whole time and so mm-hmm. it's definitely is a, a in gallison times during weekends you get too many boats out there where you really can't troll them but during the week, Monday, Tuesday, it's a, right. a great way to catch. You know, them. Scott, somebody t- texted me earlier. You know, the the redfish are running, 
Uh, and it's kind of an interesting term, the Fisher running, because I feel like it's really just a beachfront thing. I mean, maybe I'm wrong on that. What are your thoughts? And that's why I would use the trolling motor on the jetties. If, if I was on the that. jetties, I'll use a trolling motor and fish it like bass fishing. Mm-hmm. You know, just going down and hitting the rocks, uh, moving all the way down the jetties. If I'm if I'm fishing for fish, I'm not seeing. Yeah. You know, if I'm throwing for uh, the trout and the redfish that are mm-hmm. deeper. Uh, but if I'm going to go out there and play with my snapper, you know, those little mangroves that I like to catch, mm-hmm. I'm going to spot lock on them because I need to feel the bite, you mm-hmm. know, it's, and it's pretty light. Uh, I also will spot lock for my tarpon because the tarpon are moving down the jetties, and like we are just saying, they're running. They're moving up and down the jetties, but they're moving so fast you can't keep up with them yeah. with a trolling motor. So what I end up mm-hmm. doing is finding the area where they're running past and just get set up within casting distance of it. Mm-hmm. And then spot lock. And that way my guys can be ready. You know, we see them coming from 50, 60, 70 yards away. And I say, okay, you're ready. Make, even make a practice cast. Sure. Throw up there to the rocks because that's where they're going to be. They're coming right down the rocks for you. you have any thoughts on that, Caleb, on the jetties and the, and the trolling motor? You, you, do, you, do you like to spot lock or you like to go up and down? <clears throat> we do both. Um, my buddies and I, we, we have it down to a, almost a science to – we know that when our trolling motor is running on six and a half, the current's running yeah, just Scott right. talks about that too. And and even my, my this is the first uh, motor that I've had with Spotlock. Mm-hmm. My, the iPilot I had before, hashtag Johnson Outdoors. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I, I had no Spotlock, so what I had to be able to do was match the current with how fast it was right. it was moving to, to That's keep always me there. a tricky thing. Always, always a tricky thing, um, especially when you have a kid or somebody hooked up to a fish and you're trying to help that kid and your boat's you know, going wherever it may go. Mm-hmm. But no, Scott pretty well hit it all on that uh, topic. All right. One more thing before we get out of here for this episode uh, uh, of the Bite Me podcast. Um, spinning reel beats a, pay, a bait. When does a, a spinning reel beat a, a, a bait caster uh, was a question I got because uh, it was just a Facebook message that I got. I think you got it. Did you, was that the one you forwarded to me? I think so. Yeah. yeah. So he was. he said he was throwing a real, real light, I think, spoon or something. I mean, wh- when do you throw, uh, when would a bait, uh, spinning reel beat a bait caster in, in situations? Really, really light stuff yeah. and some wind. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you've got to throw into the wind, if, if you have no other choice but to throw into the wind, a spinning reel will most of the time outdo a bait caster unless you're really, really good with it and you grew up with it. Mm-hmm. I can throw a bait caster better than I can throw a spinning reel. Right. Uh, unless it's one sixteenth ounce mm-hmm. into the wind. Now that that's when I'll pick up a spinning reel. Mm-hmm. My problem with spinning reels, I can't hit anything. Yeah, um, well, we don't have I'm, the practice. I'm an accuracy <laughs> guy, and yeah. I can put a with a bait caster, I can put it in a coffee cup. Yeah, but with a spinning reel, I'd be lucky to hit this table sometimes. <laughs> yeah, you know, just I'm just not as accurate with it. Right now, you go over to Florida; those guys grew up with spinning reels. I sat over there and watched them just absolutely work a shoreline. Mm-hmm. I mean, just spotting it, you know, putting it in there like a bass fisherman, and uh, so it's all what you grew up with. It's right. all what you're used to using. Yeah. Um, I've just grown up with a bait catcher. I like having the ability to stop it with my thumb. Mm-hmm. You know, now they can stop it, it with is. their forefinger. I can't do that as well. I'm getting better at it. Yeah. I've practiced it because I fished enough in Florida with mm-hmm. those guys over there. You show up with a bait caster over there, they look at you cross-eyed. Right. Uh, they don't They don't understand. Mm-hmm. And uh, for years, bait caster was the only thing on the Texas coast. Right. It has changed over the last 15 to 20 years. A lot it's, more on the lower coast now. The lower coast is getting in more and more into spinning reels. Mm-hmm. And that's they've got more wind. Mm-hmm. Uh, just generally speaking, the wind blows harder down there. And so and they're throwing lighter stuff. 
clear water. Uh, clear yep, water. Clear water. You got clear water. You got shallow water. So they're throwing lighter stuff. Uh, so that if I can, I'm going to throw a bait caster. Me too. Until I can't. You know, we're kind of snobs in Texas on the Texas Gulf Coast with the bait casting reel. Uh, we just are just like they're snobs with the in Florida with, with the uh, the spinning reels. But what about you? Do you have a, those situations, Caleb? When 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 you're going to go with with a, a spinning reel, anything to add or different from what Scott said? No, there's very little that I can't throw into the wind with a bait caster. I may have to tune in a little bit, tighten sure. here or whatnot. But um, I use a spinning reel 100% of the time whenever I'm throwing a cork with a cork and a gulp, mm-hmm. yeah, about, which is a lot. You of too. That was when he was finished. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> it, Redfish it, it, tournament, popping cork and a gulp. Yeah, and and that's what we're that's what I throw ninety nine percent of the time in a redfish tournament. I like it for multiple uh, factors. I've actually gotten fairly um, accurate with them, mm-hmm. but the other part I like about it is whenever I'm drifting across the middle of a lake, I can mindlessly throw it as far as I want. I don't right. have to worry about backlashing. Just launch it and, and go to town with it. Go right over the top. Yes, just <laughs> how far can it go? But but I have gotten where I can I can hit. You know, give me a say a two foot circle Mm -hmm. and I can get it there. Well, good deal. Uh, Well, tell us one more time, Roy, Uh, people want to help. People want to pass along information. uh, And what you guys are doing is fantastic. I know I speak for Scott and Caleb as well, Uh, where to reach you and uh, what you guys are doing. And I'm sure you got some trips coming up. We do. We have a couple things coming up with Shriners. Uh, we take a lot of the patients there that are in town for, they're getting skin grafts and other stuff. We have several trips coming up the next couple of weeks. Uh, Like you said, you can reach us on Facebook at Texas boys outdoors. Our website's uh, www.texasboysoutdoors.org, Instagram, just, mm-hmm. you know, whatever's easier for you guys and anything. We always appreciate any help. And you do some tournament fishing, too. I do. I fish uh, Captain Eric Renteria's the last couple of years. We've been fishing together a few times, and my son's also a good bass fisherman. He's getting to the age where I'm fishing with him a little bit, so it's been a, a fun deal. You've gone head-to-head with, with this cat yeah, right here? Yeah, I'm fishing the, the GRS Championship this week, and I'm going to try to fish it. And I know Caleb's in it, too, uh, mm-hmm. with his son, so it'll be a cool deal. I don't have enough time to fish as many as I want to, but I, I yeah, try no, who to. Who does? Right yeah, exactly. Who does? But Roy's son is actually an award-winning tournament bass fisherman. So is yours. Well. Well, not bass. Well, no, not mm-hmm. bass, but, uh, <laughs> but Roy's, Roy's boy's done it on a, a fairly large stage wow. already. Very wow. Blessed. Website to, to book Captain Caleb McCumber? It's uh, CAPTCaleb.com, CaptainCaleb.com, um, and then Facebook. What do you guys, what do you, let's give a little report here for this week. What's going on, man, on the Middle Coast there? Man, I tell you what, it's, it's, it's really been day-to-day for me. Mm-hmm. Um, Saturday was was really tough. I was out there. We talked about it. Yeah, Saturday was tough. Uh, Sunday broke lo- loose a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a big tide swing late late in the week last week. Real it, low. It, it, it cost us a lot of water, but um, it's uh, your typical August fish, fishing, mm-hmm. Easter famine. So, Captain Caleb on yeah. uh, .com. CaptainCaleb.com and or also Caleb Facebook. McCumber on Facebook, Captain Caleb McCumber on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not I'm I'm not tough to find. Going to be a little breezier this weekend, Captain Scott. What's going on with you? Uh, they can reach you as we all know to to mess uh, to message us for a, a topic suggestion um, at uh, Captain uh, Scott Knoll on uh, Facebook. But uh, what what do you got going on this week? I've got a couple of trips coming up. I've got uh, one with kids on uh, Saturday, and uh, we'll probably go to the jetties and do a little shrimping. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got a tarpon trip on Friday, if this wind will hold. It's been uh, it's going to be a it's little windy right this now, weekend. but now I'm looking at the long range forecast and yeah. it's dropping. Oh, good. Uh, the trend shows that it's going to be dropping, and they're talking one to one and a half foot seas at 
five, six, seven seconds. You can live with that. And uh, I can find tarpon on that. <laughs> that's right. Well, good deal. All right. So I'm John Lopez. That's Captain Scott Knoll. Next week, we have a really, really good show uh, planned for you because uh, we did a deep dive into uh, the upper, uh, excuse me, the lower coast. Um, just everything you need to know about the lower coast. Captain Caleb's going to be back, and we're going to do a deep dive with him and Scott. And I can't think of two better guys to talk about uh, everything you need to know about the middle coast. Uh, than those two. So if you've been thinking about uh, giving it a shot, you know, what makes it unique? What makes it, uh, how does it fish different? Is there any you know, equipment changes, differences that you need to do? We're going to deep dive into the Middle Coast uh, next week. We're also going to talk about uh, some beachfront stuff, uh, some summer fishing essentials, uh, and, and a lot more. I'm John Lopez. That is Captain Scott Knoll. Man, we really appreciate you guys listening. Hope you're getting something out of it. We, we love doing it, and we'll talk to you next time.